You guys good? Is ever, are you excited about the times we're living? You know, I'm really, I woke up Thursday morning really early. A lot of times I wake up early, but Thursday morning I was just so excited. I was overwhelmed thinking about the opportunity we have in America. You know that God in His mercy and grace gave us time to do His will. And uh, I just was overwhelmed by that. Now, um, this morning, I'm gonna, I've got a word, but before we get to that, I want to share some of the things that happened on our journey during July. Shirley and I, we went to a number of different places, and um, we met the Lord, and God did some wonderful things. Um, oh, before, before we do that, you know there's a ministry that has a Bible study in the White House. Did we tell you about that? First time in a hundred years. It's called Capital Ministries. And uh, this week's Bible study, Shirley looked it up. Here's the topic, is that believers, are, first of all, they were going over five wrong views in the church. And the four, this was week four. The fourth wrong view was that believers are to do evangelism and not politics. That's what they were teaching at the White House. In other words, believers are to be involved in politics. We're the salt of the earth. We're not just, we're the salt of every sphere of society. And we're to, um, we're to be engaged. And we have to be engaged. We've got to speak up in this hour. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep speaking up. And uh, no matter what happens. And, um, but you, the goal of that, of Capital Ministries is to have Bible studies in every state house and every capital throughout the 50 states, they already have those Bible studies in 44 of the states. And they want them locally. They even want them in the local, you know, mayor's offices and things like that. And um, it would be an amazing time. But you know, we're to be involved in all of society. I, I'm just going to talk a little bit, but it's all a part of where we're going. But you know, when they nominate, when Trump nominated there were, what, five or four final people going to fulfill, you know, being nominated for the Supreme Court. There was one lady in particular that was known for her faith. And she was a part of a group called Women of Praise or something like that. And they showed on television the senators that had confirmed her that in her, one of her previous confirmations. But they were, they were going after her faith, attacking her faith as if, you know, she had no right to serve as a judge if you actually believe in God. And I was thinking about, you know, those senators really have faith too. They just have faith that there is no God. That's their faith. Or they have faith in, in man ability that's greater than God. And anyway, I got a little perturbed at watching that. I don't know about you, but I wanted to shout and uh, go and tell them, look, yeah, you guys got faith too. You've got a faith. There is no God. But the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And uh, so we want to... Well, i got to say one more thing. You know all this stuff about Russia. There's a lot of stuff going on about Russia. People think they're the bad guys. This is my opinion. Okay, this is not thus saith the Lord. Here's some of the reasons I believe they're going after Russia. How many of you saw Rick's rant this week? He does this thing on Facebook. It's called Rick's Rant. And this week he was down in Perdido Key, down on the water... And he's talking while he's throwing ball to his dog in the water and stuff. Anyway, it was a pretty good rant. I'll tell him about it. But anyway, he shared some of these things. But number one, there's a reason they don't like Putin. Number one, Putin is not 
like Trump, a part of the world globalist elite. Thank God Putin's not a part of that. So they don't like him for that. Number two, did you know that Russia took a stand against gay marriage? They don't allow that in Russia. And there's some folks in America that they don't like Putin for that. And then, you know, another reason they probably don't like him is that Russia threw off the chains of communism. How dare them? Socialism. You know, I saw this week there were, they did some interviews of some of the millennials, some of college students in America. And they're, you know, wanting socialism. Now, all they have to do, in fact, now we can't criticize them. They don't know any better. You know, nobody's taught them. Their professors told them socialism is good. All you got to do is study the former USSR, the Soviet Union. Do you know what the USSR means? Union of Soviet what? Socialist Republic. Now, if you study it, in fact, I've been there. Socialism is not, it's not a marriage ceremony, I can tell you that. It's slavery. It's economic slavery. You give up. You may get some free stuff, but you give up your freedom to get the free stuff. And the free stuff doesn't last. And uh, it's, 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 in fact, they're responsible for the murder of millions of people. So anyway, we got to teach our millennials socialism is not the answer. The answer is Jesus Christ. And we got to trumpet that. But we've got to be patient with them because that's what they've been told on their college campuses and all of that stuff. But, and then another reason for the um, Russian stuff, it's just to further the lie about the collusion. And you guys know, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but we got to speak this stuff because some in the Congress and Senate are not going to speak it. So we're going to speak up in the church. Are you guys with me? Now, I'm going to get to the word. All this is going to fit. Well, on our journey, we went to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Brother Sadu was doing a conference up there, and he was going to speak on the 4th of July. So I felt like, you know, that would be a pretty good place to be in Gettysburg on the 4th of July. And it was an amazing place. Actually, they were doing a reenactment of that, uh, what is that, Perkett's Charge, you know, and then the, the battle there that happened. And we could hear... In the reenactment, we could hear the cannons going off. And it sounded like we were in a war, a battle zone, you know, and you could hear the muskets, some if you got close enough. But anyway, it was really exciting to be a part of all that. And, uh, you know, I went to be a part also. They wanted me to, to lead in one of the prayer. They prayed every day for the president. You know, one thing I found out, this presidential prayer thing is big. It's not just a little bitty prayer meeting. It's a big thing that God's doing that he's entrusted us with. And I'm so honored. In fact, we've got one of the prayer warriors with us right here, Sharon Pierce on the front row. She leads a uh, prayer, a group of intercessors from across the state every Wednesday morning. And they're praying for the president and praying for things such as that. But anyway, Brother Sadu saw some things. He reminded us again of how important it is that President Trump is a symbol of grace, not a perfect man. How many of you are perfect? There's no one perfect. He's not a perfect man, but he's a symbol of grace. So we've got to pray that he not be removed. One thing he said he saw behind him was an octopus, right? Yes, and it, that all these tentacles and arms were going to try to 
coerce him to, to do things he would really rather not do. So we've got to pray and break those arms, the media, the liberal politicians, and all these things such as that. We've got to break it off. But he included us, or he, he challenged us, not only pray for the president, but pray for our members of Congress. Because, we, you know, they're in a battle. And uh, if they stand up, the enemy, they're just, you know, they're going to catch some of the onslaught. So we've got to... We got to catch him. Another thing he challenged us with is to go to the Capitol, go to the White House, and and certain places in D.C. and and make a way for the Lord to come back. Now I told you all that because Shirley and I did that after those meetings in Gettysburg. We went to Washington D.C. We thought, well, if we're going to encourage people to do it, we should do it ourselves. So you can't get very close to the White House, but you can stand across the street, you know. And, so we prayed, and then we went on the Capitol. We went in the Capitol to pray. We had to take this dumb tour, you know, this guy that acted like he knew it. He didn't know very much, but anyway, I, we listened, and we were very good. But we were laying hands and anointing with oil the pillars in the Capitol. We were praying, you know, as the guy was talking. And then we went to the steps of the Supreme Court. But then we didn't stop there. We went to the FBI building. Now, I know they were listening. We got right up against the front door, and I wasn't going to pray under my breath. The time to pray under your breath is over. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, expose all the wickedness, all the deception, you know, every traitor. Anyway, anyway, if I see some black cars drive up at church this morning, it'll be fun. Then we, we you know, we prayed across the street from the Justice Department and the Washington Post. We prayed at the Washington Post. You know, that media thing, we need to pull that stuff down. But you know where the hardest place was to pray? We prayed over some churches. And one of them, it was an early service. There were probably about 15 people in there, 20 people max. And they were, you know, they had the rainbow flag and they were celebrating diversity and all this kind of stuff. Then we went to another a church, and it was a Lutheran church, and they had a, a statue of Martin Luther, and I like Martin Luther, and I like all those guys. So we, I thought, this is a great place. So we started praying. I started praying. And Shirley starts hitting me on the side, you know. What are you doing? Stop, stop. God opened her eyes. She sees all these demons hanging off all the rafters of this big, giant, old Lutheran church. And so she's kicking me, saying, David, you might want to be quiet. You may want to use some wisdom here. We don't know we have authority here. But anyway, it was a lot of fun on our journey to Washington, D.C. And uh, I've learned to listen to my wife over the years. If she says, hold up, be wise, you know. I wasn't afraid of the wife. And I wasn't afraid of those demons on that Lutheran church. We need to throw those demons off. Listen, we need the Lutherans. We need the Presbyterians. Now, this is wild. Last week... The reason we weren't here, we were at Shirley's church with her dad. You know her dad, she lost her mom. And so anyway, we went to be with her dad. And I didn't, they didn't ask me to speak because, you know, you had to be in the presbytery or whatever. But they had this guest speaker, and he's speaking on the blood of Jesus. And I thought, well, that's pretty good. That's normal. They started singing songs like the blood. You know, are you washing the blood? I found out after, after the service, that's new to them. They, had, they don't even know. They didn't know anything about the, you know, the old songs that we grew up with. They don't sing anymore in that church. 
Anyway, that was a shocking revelation. But the main thing was the guy was preaching on it. He said, God's doing something in the Presbyterian church. He's raising up the blood of Jesus. Can you, can you imagine? That was strange to them. And I just wonder, God, where are the churches in America? We've got to have an old-fashioned spiritual awakening, guys. It's got to happen pretty fast. And it's not going to happen with just us, you know, whatever we are. What they call us whatever. It doesn't matter. We just want to be known as believers. But we've got to have them all. We've got to have the Baptists. Somebody was telling me this morning, sounds like things are happening among the Baptists. They're starting to have dreams and visions and things. Lord, do it more, more, now, more. All over America. Now, this morning, what's going to qualify you to be a part of what God is doing in this hour? Is it just because you show up here that you're going to be one of those that God has said, this son, this daughter is going to do the will, my will, and I'm giving them an assignment. And that's what I want to talk about. Because we've got to be all engaged. You cannot be a bystander. You cannot be some, you know, someone that's watching. Remember that old song, From a Distance? You know, remember that? That's an old song. You don't remember that, do you, Haley? It's way before your time. You, you do remember, From a Distance. Listen, we can't be from a distance. We've got to be on the battlefront. We've got to be engaged. We've got to be in His presence every day. This, you can't take a break from God. You can't take a vacation you know if you vacation bring him with you you know we did we went a few days at Myrtle Beach and we did what we did last year I read Shirley a book on the beach I was really cute wasn't it? I was reading we're reading about revivals you know and did you know they had a group called this was like in the 1500s they were called the apostles of the possible that was the name of them because they believed, they literally believed all things were possible with God to them to believe. We need to be the apostles of the possible. Nothing is impossible with God. I don't care what it is. The salvation of America, nothing is impossible. There ain't no way God would have intervened the way he did and raised up intercessors the way he is if he didn't have something major in mind. It's not just all of a sudden turn us back over to the wicked one. No, God's got a destiny. He's got a destiny for Russia. Did y'all read, I put that out. Did you know Hudson Taylor had this prophetic revelation about Russia? I'm sorry, it's not about them being Gog and Magog. I mean, they may, I don't know about all that. I don't, I don't know. But what he saw was that God was going to pour out his spirit on Russia and they would be used as a great revival and they would be sent to Europe and many places around the earth. And I see some, you know, that could be another reason the devil hates them. You know, God, the devil hates all of those that have a destiny and a purpose, just like he hates you. In fact, if your name is not somewhere in the devil's post office, you know where they put up these signs, the most wanted. If you're not one of the most wanted, I don't know how much you're going to accomplish. If you even think about living godly, you're going to suffer persecution. Just think about it. You don't even have to do it. It's what it says, but we want to live that. Now, one thing else that just came back to my mind, evidently I'm supposed to say it. Sadhu was talking about these mighty ones that were angels that God 
Now I'm studying this out. So this is just, okay, this is not John 3.16, but it's what, it's Sadu 3.16. But anyway, I'm searching it out and I did see something that encouraged me. That's why I'm sharing it. But anyway, that there are big angels called mighty ones that God has reserved on the earth for these days. And they're going to start accompanying His people, helping His people do the battles and do the will of God. These are big, giant, mighty angels reserved for the last days. Now that, you know, I would not share that unless I saw it. So this week, I'm just reading in my Bible. And I read about the mighty one. It's uh, Psalm 45. It could be talking about God because in Psalm 50, it is talking about God. But the reason it may not be talking about God is because he... Well, let me just show you. Can I show you that real quick? Look in Psalm 45. And then we're going to jump in the scripture and show you some things. We're going to pray. We need to pray for people. We've got to lay hands on people. If you're visiting and you're only here one Sunday, you need to come. We want to lay hands, pray for an impartation. But uh, we... Listen, God wants to do things. We've got to do our part. Preach the word. Lay hands on the sick. Do the things that God called us to do. Work while it is day. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Work while it is day. Your night might come sooner than you know. There's no guarantee. We've got to work. But look in Psalm 45, verse 3. So this is what I think it could possibly be speaking about also these mighty angels. Because it says this, I gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty one. Now that could be the Son of Man, that could be God, Jesus. With your glory and your majesty and in your majesty ride prosperously because of truth, humility, and righteousness. Now just for a moment, we got to be a people that preach the truth, stand on the truth, love the truth. The Lord will come to where there are people that are hungry for the truth. But not only the truth, we got to be humble. There must be humility. God resists the proud, doesn't He? He resists them, but He gives grace to the humble. And so we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time He'll lift us up. How I many of you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes the proper time takes a little time. It doesn't matter. The key is we're humble before Him. And then there, there must be righteousness. We've got to seek His kingdom, seek His righteousness. Not only that imparted righteousness, but living right before God and before the world. We're not going to escape the call to live holy. You know, that's something else probably going to come back to the Presbyterians and the Lutherans. Thank God. God raised them up. Holiness. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I don't care the name of your denomination. I don't care if you don't even have a denomination. He's looking for holy. We have a banner. Every, you guys know if you're visiting, ask somebody what that banner means. Bob Jones captured not that banner, but the writing of what it says on that in a vision. The banner of holiness. And it's in this building. That always to me is... You know, you think, God, why would it be in our building? But anyway, it's a, a humble thing to think about. It's also a big responsibility. But anyway, okay, now how do, you, how do you see that this could possibly be angels? Well, look what it says after that. And in your right hand shall teach you awesome things. Now, the Lord doesn't need to be taught anything. Verse 5, now this is the key. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. And the people fall under you. Now, the king, I know, is Jesus. 
So if the arrows by the mighty one are sharp in the heart of his enemies, it could be these mighty angels. Could be. Could be us, the mighty ones on the earth. All I know is this is the hour where there are going to be arrows shot into the heart of the king's enemies. The justice of God is going to happen on the earth. We've got to participate with God in this stuff. We've got to be... Now, this is where I'm going. That's why I hadn't totally departed from the message because this is all where we're going. We are co-laborers. So show me that, okay? Since you ask, I'll show you. Look in 1 Corinthians. And it won't take too long. We're going to read through the scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 because there's an impartation. There's something God wants to give. Those of you that are watching online or you will watch this message later, we want there to be, as Rocky was speaking We're not just here delivering some message that we pulled out of the file. We want to speak, thus saith the Lord, and we want there to be an impartation. What good is it to go to church to feel good about yourself? Who cares? Feeling good doesn't last very long. When you go back out in the world, you feel rotten again anyway. So we need the Word so we can stand. When the rotten comes, we'll be able to stand regardless of how we feel about ourselves. You know what I'm talking about. Somehow we got this religion thing, you need to feel good. It has nothing to do with feeling good. It's not comfortable. What if God said, okay, I'm going to end comfortable Christianity in America once and for all. So be it. It's not about being comfortable. It's about being Christ-like. About taking up our cross. Being devoted, committed to the King no matter what the price. That's where we're going right now. Every Sunday, we got to have an imp- there's got to be impartation. There's got to be equipping. You, you, we want stuff happening. We want people to go out with spiritual muscle. And then we want to do what Asia's talking about at least one Sunday a month. Now, we're always going to lead people to Jesus, but really focus on the loss. Somehow get them in this building. I don't know how we're going to get them. Maybe God will get them. Shake the earth. They'll come. We just got to be ready. We got to be ready. Because there's a great harvest. And we're not, going to, we're not going to miss this harvest. We're not going to miss this harvest. We are not. America is not, thus saith the Lord, going to miss this harvest. Okay, now 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's get to the Word. You listen quickly and I'll preach quickly. Okay? Just listen. It's like those info... No, they, what, what, what did you call it, Shirley? Auditory fine print. When you hear these things on the radio, and then this guy comes on, you know what I mean? You're supposed to pay it. You know, you got a sign after he says that. What did you say, man? If you sign this line, you're signing your life away. The FBI will be at your, I mean, all this stuff, you know. We don't know what they're saying. But we read the word, we know what he's saying. And I, brethren, verse 1, could not speak to you as to carnal people, are spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able, you're still carnal. And how do you know they're carnal is when there's envy, strife, and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? How many of you know we're not just mere men here? We're not mere men and women. You know that, right? We're not just mere men. We're sons and daughters of the living God. All of creation's been waiting around for this stuff. Waiting for you to show up. All right. 
For when one says, I'm of the Baptists, and another says, I'm of the Presbyterians, are you not carnal? Who then is the Baptist or whatever? And I'm inserting some things there. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? They're ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. And so ministers are the prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, their gifts to the body for a purpose so that we would be equipped to do the will of God. We know this stuff. But then he says, so then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but it's God who gives the increase. It's not about those who occupy those gifts. It's about God who gave the gift and who's ultimately the harvest belongs to. Does that make sense? Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own labor according to it, his reward according to his own labor. We are, for we are God's fellow workers. Say God's fellow workers. You are God's field. Say that. You're, I'm God's field. And you are God's building. Say I'm God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder. I've laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid which is Jesus Christ. That's the foundation of the church, the foundation of every ministry, every work. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay and straw. Remember those are broken up. There's six of them. Three of them, when the fire is applied, they are refined. Three of them, when the fire's applied, they are burned up. And that's what's going to happen in this hour. For each one's work, verse 13, will become clear. You know, things are becoming clear in America right now. If God's used Donald Trump to do anything, it's brought the swamp to the surface. We now know who the globalists are. We know those who are not in allegiance are devoted to the Constitution, they're devoted to some other liberal cause. But it's not the Constitution. It's become clear to Americans. And so God's going to really have a good time at this coming election. Because He's going to be watching. Because not only are those who do those things worthy of judgment, but Ephesians says those who approve are also worthy of the judgment. So God's going to be watching when people walk in America in the voting booths. You say you don't believe in abortion. If you vote for someone that is trumpeting abortion, you believe in abortion. And you're going to stand before God and be accountable for the murder. I'm telling you, we got to shout this stuff. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but we got to shout this stuff now. We got, I'm telling you, God's going to pay attention to this election. I'm, I'm just... No, I don't want to say I'm not saying. That's what, thus, it's in my heart. It's fire in my bones. God's going to pay attention. I'm not telling you to go vote, who to vote for. Just know what they believe. Do your homework. You vote for a socialist. You need to know what happened under the USSR. You need to know the millions of people that died under socialism, under Marxism. Same thing. Anyway, free stuff. Free, it's not about free stuff. I'm telling you, this is crazy. This is a great time to be alive. It's a great time to be an intercessor. Great time, isn't it? It's a great time to be praying. We got to get this thing cranked back up. The Moravian, you know, lampstand. We're praying. 
We, every day people are, join up, see David and Jody. We got to be praying. We got to have a prayer foundation for what God is doing in this hour. Locally, statewide, nationally, we ain't going to do anything without prayer. It ain't going to happen. You're not gonna, how are you going to have a spiritual awakening without being on your knees? It ain't going to happen. But it's going to happen because God is moving on people to pray. And there's a fire in prayer today. I've noticed that this week. You know, sometimes I don't know the lick of what to pray for, so I just pray in the Spirit. I just pray. And other times it's like there's a fire burning inside of you. you know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? It's like some, God is up to something here. It's always God is the one taking the initiative. We're just answering the call. We're just those saying yes, and that's where we want to be. We want to be those. All right, let's get back. What verse was I on? Where's the word clear? Oh, 13. Clear. Things are becoming clear. It will be revealed by fire. So also the works. In every church that's built upon man's selfish ambition is going to become known by the fire. It won't last. Every work that was done. In fact, the Lord said in Matthew chapter 7, there'll be many that said, Lord, Lord. And they did all of these wonderful things. They preached and they did all these, saw all this stuff, they prophesied. And he said, but you never knew me. Because they did not do the will of the Father. They did their own will. And that's where we need the fire so we can separate this. It's only going to be the fire. We're not going to separate it. Man's not going to be able to say, that's of God, that's of the Spirit, that's of not. God will do it. God will do it. He'll clean up his house. Okay, so the day will declare it. It will be revealed by fire. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved. And so that gives us hope. It gives us some hope. Yet as through fire. Now, I want you to go to... Well, let's look back in verse 9. Because this we want to... Spend maybe the next 15 minutes. Is that okay? You guys good? We need to know God's fellow workers, God's field, God's building. If you turn that upside down, God's building, he's building his church based on the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, right? The son of the living God. You can't have that. Man may teach you those things, but God has to reveal to you. I'm not going to be saved just because somebody tells you to be saved, but God has to reveal His Son. It's that revelation, the building, what He's building. And what God's building, the gates of hell will not prevail against. That's another way you'll tell what God was building from what man was building. What man's building goes through the test and they will fall. What God is building will stand. And so anyway, God's building, then God's field, the field, I believe, Partly it's the heart, the land. This is the land. We're planting the word. We've got to cultivate the land. These guys interceding. They're cultivating. They're praying. They're breaking up fallow ground in their prayers. That's one thing Brother Sadu challenged us to do is to make a way for the Lord. We stood in front of the Supreme Court and we said, God, we break every false demon, every control. Now, we got to go back. Some of you, some of you watching, you need to go to these places. One-time prayer is not going to do it. we got to keep pounding, keep asking, keep seeking, but make a way. Prepare the way for the Lord. 
You know, wouldn't it be amazing if one of those mighty ones, don't even worry about, what if Jesus, the mighty one, showed up in the U.S. Senate, stood right before all those senators, you'd see some knees bowing quickly. Man, we need this to happen. God, this is the, I think we're living in those days. The Lord's going to do some of this on his own, but we got to co-labor with him. That's what this is about. We're God's building. We're God's field. We want our heart prepared, readiness of mind, but also in our heart. And then we are also God's fellow workers. Say fellow workers. Okay, now go to, if you would, to 2 Corinthians, a few pages over. Chapter 6. This is where we want to spend the rest of the time and then pray. Because um, we want to be God's fellow workers, co-laborers. Are you going to be one of those God's going to use? Or are you going to be, you know, just skip your way into heaven? I'm, I don't want to skip my way there. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I want to be, I want him to say, well done. How many of you, you want him to say, well done, good well done means you did something. You did the will of the Father is what you did. It doesn't matter. The little things, the big things, the things that are most important to men may be the most insignificant in God's eyes. But the things that were insignificant to men may be the most vital in God's eyes. And that's what we want to be involved in. And anytime you do His will, it's big. So let's look at this. And here's some things. These are marks of ministry as far as this chapter's titled, but I'm going to say they are the characteristics of those that God will use in the last days. Something like that. Figure out your own title. I used to figure out real titles and get to ABCs and all in order. You know, that's the way they taught me. And I'm glad they taught me that way. It helped me. Because you need some order. Let things be done in order. Don't let things be done out of order. Out of order and in order. But it's the order of the Spirit. Does that make sense? hope you guys are with me. I'm trying to just shout aloud. If, you, if you're not listening to me, you listen to him. He'll say far more than what I'm saying right now, I promise you. In fact, it's not about my words. It's about what the Spirit is saying that you're really hearing right now beyond my voice. In fact, we don't want to be speaking when sometimes we need to just shut up. You know, we need to just hear. Thus saith what the Lord is saying. But we've been commissioned to preach the word. I don't know any other plan. Some people say, well, I'm not going to go there. But I, that, I know it's old-fashioned to preach the word. I'm going to stay old-fashioned. Because he said, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. When you feel like it, when you don't feel like it. When they want to hear, when they don't want to hear. That's what that means. When the, the conditions are favorable and when the conditions are unfavorable. If you're running through a field or you're, you're running around in circles in your prison cell. It doesn't matter. Preach the word. You're not captive. You're captives to him. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, let's go. We then, as so here, the, here are those characteristics. We then, as workers, together. Say together. So the first thing is, we've got to be together in Christ, in him, one with him, in the spirit, not pulling the opposite way, but also, God, in order for us to be rightly connected to the head, we got to be rightly connected with those who God is connecting us with. For there to, and let, you know, for there to be a body, you got to have the hands and the feet and the arms and the knee and all this stuff. they got to be in the state. they got to be connected together. 
You know, it's we're almost football season. There's a, there's a smell. That, you know, you guys, I don't know. You know, there's a smell in the air. In, I, you, you, you ladies don't know anything about it, but I know about it. I smell that smell. It's not yet, but it'll come in August. It's a smell of the football. I just, I don't know. It's, some of you are saying, David, get over all that stuff. It's just temporary. But how do you know God might have... Listen, the Eagles. That's got to be something. The Eagles. The prophetic Eagles won. Now, I know we can over-prophesy. But anyway, okay, here's what I said. What if you're in the huddle and everybody... Okay, now you're listening. Okay, that sounds good to me. Ready, break. And then everybody does their own thing. No, forget that. It's going to be chaos. You're not going to win. We've got to get our directions from the head. And then we've got to do our part. You know, the one coach I wish... I'm not going to speak this on him, but he's always winning. And I would prefer him losing. I don't know if you can say this or not. But anyway, he coaches at Alabama. Sometimes I wish he would not win. But the reason he wins is because he gets everybody. I don't care. You do your job. If you're going to be on this team, you're going to do your job or we're going to get somebody else to take your place. Well, that's what we need in the church right now. We need a coach to stand up. You do your job. If you don't do it, okay, off to the locker room. I'm going to get somebody that will do it. You know what I'm talking about. We've got to do our job. Everybody has a job. You've got to find out what it is. They're all big jobs in order for us to win. Anyway, okay, so together, constantly receiving grace. He says, plead with you. I plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. What is grace? It's a gift. It's the power that works in you that enables you to be what you could never do on your own. It's unmerited favor, yes. But that's just the surface of what grace is. It's far more. Grace never runs out. we got to be those that see our cups running over and not half empty. Your cup runneth over. I don't care what it looks like. It may look like you're running on fumes. How many of you came to church with your needle toward the E? You know, I won't ask you to confess that. But I can... A lot of times when I was younger, I had to. I had to pray, God, get me there. Now, I'm talking about before Shirley showed up and taught me how to work and things like that. But, I mean, when I was, you know, in college, one of those millennials, you know, but I, I didn't have, I did what I could do. I would sell my blood. We, they used to sell. You could sell your blood for 15 bucks. You know, you get plasma or something like that. I'd go to the plasma lab, get 15 bucks so I could go buy me a hamburger, put some money in my tank. You know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? He's dead to do all that kind of stuff. But listen, our needle is not on empty. If you know Jesus, your cup runs over. Your needle is up there in the F. It's banging up against it. It's full. We got to live that way every day. I'm not running out. I've got more than enough to see me through what God's called me to do. I'm, I'm overflowing. Okay, then you've got to live in the now. Look in verse 2, for he says, In an acceptable time I've heard you in the day of salvation. I've helped you. Behold, now. Say now. Now. It's the acceptable time. It's the day of salvation. It's the day he helped you in verse 2. All of this. Now. We've got to live in the now. There are 
two enemies that will rob you from being used in this hour. The past and the future. Right? Everybody know that. For you guys who maybe hadn't heard this, the past will hold you back, hold you down, cut it loose, repent of it, bury the dog, let it be done with. Old things pass away. You can't go back. You can't be hammered by that thing. And then the future, it's something that always is going to happen. Well, one day. Guess what? The one day is today. The one day is today. It is today. Okay, so live in the now. And then I'm going to skip some parts because I want to I impart this. But look in verse 3. He says, we give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. In other words, there are times we're not to be offensive, but there are other times we are. Jesus was a rock of stumbling, a stone of offense. Just our testimony should be offensive to the lost or those that are in rebellion. But at other times, we don't want to just be offensive for the sake of being offensive. He talks about that in the scripture. Nor do we want to be, in a, be offended. Now, this is where really I think we need to say. Many people will be disqualified in this hour from last day ministry because they got offended. Because somebody, you know what offended, when you get offended, it's like you become God. Somebody didn't act the way you thought they should act or they didn't say something you thought they should say. So I'm going to take an offense. You've just disqualified yourself because you are playing the role of God. You are a children of pride. It's pride that causes offenses. I'm offended at that guy. Well, then you're not dead. You hadn't died to yourself. You're not taking up your cross. If you can be, and I tell you, there's people, I hear stories, they get easily offended. I know the great God Almighty, the mighty one, the judge. I know he has patience beyond. I know he's ever long-suffering. But I'm, I know there's going to be a day he's going to say, all right, listen, leave him alone. Let them go. I'll raise up the children. I'll raise up those in the nursery if I have to. But my will is going to be done. The kingdom of God is coming and the will of God is going to be done. In fact, we need to turn it up a little bit so that people will get offended. Everyone that's supposed to get offended should hurry up and get offended. <laughs> I know some of you are probably saying now, you, no one, nobody's going to come to your church, man. You, we don't want anybody. We want those that God's called. We're in a battle. We're in a war. We got to know those that labor among you. You don't want some wimp that gets offended at everything around you. I mean that. But we need to take more months off like this. I've just been hanging around Shirley for a month. It's been a joy and honor. Man, we had a lot of fun. We're, we're cleaning up in front of the house. We're planting shrubs. I used to tell her, Shirley, you can't plant roses because we might move. You don't want a rose. Remember that? I used to tell you. Now I want her to plant all the roses she wants because I ain't going anywhere. I'm, listen, I'm in for the long haul. I mean, he may move me on. I'm not talking about that. All that stuff might happen. I don't know. But I'm in this thing for the long haul. You've got to have that attitude too. You're in this in Christ for the long haul. You can plant all the roses. You ain't going anywhere. Nobody's going to run you off. Yeah, I mean, you being in Christ, you know what I'm talking about. Who knows all the things God's going to do in this hour? Man, I want to preach in a bunch of places. I can't wait till I get to go to Kenya. I'm going to Kenya in September. 
Man, they're going to have a crusade. They said there'll be like 10,000 people. I can't wait. There'll be many, many past, hundreds of pastors. We're paying their way. I got to need a little help if you, God puts Kenya on your heart. We got to pay the way for those pastors to come to that conference. So that's just part of it. When you go there, you got to pay the way. They don't, how are they going to get there? All of their tanks, their needles on empty over. They don't even have a needle over there. Don't even have any way. That's just the way it is. So we're going to pay the way for those guys. But anyway, we don't want to be offended. Okay, the next thing. We got to get done here. It's going to be here all day. Verse 4. But in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much... Okay, here's where we can run quick. Patience. Pa- you know what patience means? Endurance. Those that endure to the end. There's some people that were so on fire and they just let the devil put their fire out. We need to go after them. Need to throw a little gas on them, whatever. Get them back on fire again. Get in the race. Endure. Things are supposed to be tough. You know, one thing that will keep you from winning a race is that if you're entangled by the worlds, the weights of the world, and things that entangle you, like sin. Do you know there's a scripture over in Acts that talks about that God allowed them to do certain things in their ignorance, but then it's like God said, okay, that's enough. Now he commands all men, all where, everywhere to repent. Yeah, I mean, you know what in that scripture? He allowed certain things in their ignorance. So there's some things God's been allowing, but today he's saying that's enough. Repent, turn, get away, drop it, let it go, turn from it. Listen, if you're in Christ, it is true. Whom the Son sets free is free. Free. You're not in bondage. If you're in bondage, it's up here. You've, li- you've listened to the lie. You're free in Christ. So patience, waiting upon God. And then also in tribulation. In patience, in tribulation. You know what tribulation is, right? Trouble, anguish, pressure. Now this is the... This is, a sign of the characteristics of all those are going to be used of God. In other words, we got to stand the pressure. You know, people say, well, just, I got to get out of here. I got to, I'm under too much. Listen, pressure's part of it. You just give your pressure to Him. Give it to Him, but it's part of the tribulation. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. There are many, there are many adversaries, there are many mountains to climb. So what? You're going to get tired. Okay, so what? Then guess who will be your strength? We've got to get on. Look at the, and the next thing is needs. Okay, so in stripes, imprisonments. No, let me back up. In all things, in patience, tribulation. Then needs, needs. We're a needy people. How many of you know we're needy? Anybody here have any needs? It's good. It's good that you have needs. Because when you have needs, then you have someone that will be the answer to your needs. It's part of, we're supposed to have needs. So we look to God, we run to God for our every need. He's the God that supplies all of your what? Your needs. I could show you more scriptures, but for the sake of time, I won't. You used to sing a song, I need thee every hour. I'm probably going to be in this hour, I need thee every moment. You know what I mean? 
because we're going to need him. But when you need him, then you get what he has to offer, the riches of his grace. And then distress. That's, the word distress means narrowness of room, like a calamity. It's like you got into something, you don't know how you got in it, you don't know how you're going to get out of it. But I can tell you, if you got in it, God is the way out of it. And God allowed you to go in something so you could find that He is the way. you got to know Him as the way. It is the way. How did I get out of this? I think we were singing a song this morning, something about this. I don't know. It just These are new songs. They're good songs. Sing them again. We'll learn them. But they're good songs. Man, those are powerful words. We're going to be needy. We're going to have distress. You send up a distress call. It doesn't matter. Just SOS. God will not turn a deaf ear to the SOS of his children. Anyway, stripes. Paul was talking about stripes. They're wounds, a stroke. Where do wounds come from? You got it? Okay, now don't, don't check out yet. Not time to go. Wounds, they come from friends. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. We need people to come around. Now, not necessarily on purpose, but if we're messing up, we need a good wound. They're faithful friends. Okay. They come from the world. You're going the opposite direction. You're going to run into stuff if you're running the opposite way of the world. You know, you're going to be, it's just going to hit you head on. But you have what it takes to get through it. You go in it to get through it. And then the devil throws, I mean, just ask Job. The devil said, hey, you see your servant Job? Let me have him. Let me add it. Okay. And you know, listen, the devil, how many of you know the devil throws some curves at you sometimes? They're not just curves. They hit you blindside. It's just part of it. It's not comfortable. We're in a war. We stumble sometimes. We get, we get up. We get up. We get hit. So what? Hit me. I'm going to get back up. Because greater is he that's in me than he do. How are you going to know that for a fact if you don't get hit from time to time? And then, you know, religion will hit you. Every move of God gets hit. We can expect it. You guys ready? People tell me, they come here and they say, you know, you guys are in revival there. The presence of God. And they tell me all this stuff and I, I want to believe it. But when real revival, when there's real an awakening, you religion, not going to be happy. I'm telling you. You know, the sons of the flesh coming out. I'm telling you, they're going to go after you hook, line, and sinker. You got to be ready to withstand and love the people. And then imprisonment. Imprisonment means a, a place, a condition, a time. It's like you're caged in, you're guarded. You know you're supposed to be in prison. To who? Read it later. Ephesians 3.1 and Ephesians 4.1. Paul said, therefore, I, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. I'm a prisoner. I'm a, those who are his prisoners are volunteer. They, they volunteer. They don't, he doesn't just, doesn't, you know, put you in a cage. You volunteer as a bondservant of Christ. And you're a willing. And then turmoils. And that is the word instability and disorder. Commotion, confusion, turmoil. How many of you sometimes that's your life? Well, guess what? Join the crowd. It's going to happen. There's going to be some disorder, some instability. Whoever told us that this all thing is real smooth and sailing, there are no contrary winds, 
They told us a big fat lie. The media, they may have been some pulpit fake news too, you know what I mean, along the years. It's, that's fake stuff. The, the real stuff is, man, it hurts to take up your cross. It'll kill you to die to yourself. I mean, stuff, it's real. But there are rewards for those that endure. But the turmoil, and you remember, Sharon, that was one, and you guys, Linda, that dream that I had the night of the election. And we used that, really, before Brother Sadu came around and challenged us to start that presidential prayer watch. God had shown me that there would be turmoil the entire time of his presidency. Remember, I saw that in the psalm. I, I was dreaming that I read and I saw that. And, uh, but so it is. There's going to be turmoil. If it's going to happen against our leaders, what do you think? Listen, you have more authority than a president. If, if the, all of hell wants to bring him down, what do you think? Listen, we're sons of God. I was thinking about that this morning. Yeah, it'd be okay to be a president. But you're a son of the living God, a daughter of God. You're called as a servant of the Most High God. There's no higher calling than this. This is the ultimate. To preach the Word. I would, I've been preaching now for 30-something plus years. And there'll be a day it'll all end, I know. But I'm telling you, I was just thinking, God, I cannot believe I get to preach the Word. This is like the highest of the highest of the highest of the highest. You can, I don't care what else there is. You're a worshiper, it's the highest. You're a preacher. Man, if you're out on the street sharing your faith, it's a calling of God, a high calling of the King. Anyway, turmoils. Just get ready. It's going to happen. And then labors. What that word literally means toil, a cut, or as reducing the strength, or pain, labor, work. That's what these kids are not taught today. I'm not talking about you kids. You're not the typical millennials, okay? You're not those that are running around wanting free stuff. Give me free stuff, man. I just want some free stuff. That ain't you. You know, you got to work for it. There ain't no free stuff except salvation. That's it. That's the only free thing I know of is you just surrender and receive the gift of salvation. But anyway, they're going to be laborers, going to get weary, co-laborers. You know what? When co-laborers work, they also rest. They find the rest that he has for them. God's not just giving his rest to a bunch of lazy bums. He gives his rest to those who need it. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to be offensive here. I already talked about that. We don't, but if you're offended, it's okay. If you've been a lazy bum, you need to be offended. Do the will of God. You don't want to be in Matthew chapter 7 standing before him one day, him saying, I never knew you. Well, I went to church, God. I shared one time, I picked up somebody's orange when it fell out of their cart. No, you don't want, you want to be those who do the will of God, regardless of the cost. And then sleeplessness. Sometimes you just can't go to sleep. You wake up. How I many of you know what I'm talking about? It's part of it. It's part of it. And then God helps you catch up. You just, you don't, if God wakes you up, you get strength from which you didn't know. You know, I just know it. And then fastings, you know what fasting means? They should have called it a slow, because it takes sometimes a long time to get through it. You want to eat, it's a slow. Well, there's a bunch more. I'm going to read them, and then we're going to close. You guys with me? 
Okay, by now, now all these things were positive. Here's some things that are, well, no, these are the things that are challenging. Now you get into the positive. He goes on, he says, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love. We'll come back someday and look at all this. By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right and on the left. By, now here's some things. There's some opposites. This will be you if you're going to be a part of God's end-time army of God. Verse 8. By honor and dishonor. There'll be some that'll dishonor you. Listen, if everybody dishonors you, but God honors you, you're a man or woman of honor. That's what you're looking for. By evil report and good report. Some will call you of the devil. So be it. It's an evil report. You want the report of God, the report of heaven. That's all you're after. You're after his report, not the world's report. As deceivers and yet true. I mean, are willing to be called a deceiver to stand for the truth to the end. Because you'll be called as unknown and yet well-known. As dying and behold, we live. How do you like that one? As chastened and yet I'm not killed. You know, God does the chastening. But I didn't, it didn't kill me. It only made me better. And there's, it goes on and on. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. That's how people, when they lose a loved one, but they've got a smile. Maybe they're not smiling at the funeral, but they've got a smile in their heart. Because they know they've got a joy they can't get rid of, no matter what goes from them. As making, here's good, as poor, yet making many rich. I like that one. You may not have the riches of this world, but you can make someone rich eternally through giving them the things that God's given you. Given them him. And then he goes on as having nothing but possessing all things. That's the kingdom. It's just his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Well, we've gone a little extra. But it's okay. We don't care. Nobody had to run home, did they? It's okay. We, we want the word. Now, I want God to let this sink in us. Because we don't want to be anything but recipients. We want to be those that hear and do the will of God. We want to be those who do the will of God. So I want to just pray for an impartation. Now, why don't you stand? Why don't you stand? We're going to pray for an impartation. A fresh anointing to be a co-laborer in this season of time. Does that sound good? Are you with me? There's an anointing. We have to have that anointing. Some of you have been weary. We're going to break that off of you right now. Let's shatter that stuff. You don't need to be weary right now. Some have been discouraged. We need to break that discouragement off. You, that's a lack of courage. It's fear. We don't want it. You can't handle it. It ain't going to work. You're a mighty man or a mighty woman of God. Your cup runs over. That's what I want to pray. God will give you a vision of your cup running over. And it won't just end when you walk out the door. Tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, when you wake up, you're going to have a vision of your cup running over. You're going to run to the Word, run to prayer, and you know that Almighty God is with you. So, Father, I pray right now for everyone in this room, everyone watching. Lord, right now we break off the weariness. We break off, Lord, the, Lord, the, the labor of the flesh that does produce toil and things that we don't need. 
strivings. God, we break all of the striving that's uh, out of our own manipulation, our own ideas or opinions. God, we break off the accusations. Lord, some have been called deceivers. Some have been called, you name it, fill in the blank. They've been called it. We break off the negative words. We break off the accusations of the evil one. Lord, there's some that are awful weak this morning, but we want to boast in our weakness that the power of Christ would rest upon us. So I pray for the power of Jesus Christ, a fresh revelation. Lord, I ask you to give everyone in this room and those watching a vision, a revelation that their cup that they thought was empty is now running over because of the greatness of the grace of God, the superabundant grace that never runs out. Oh